You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. It should come as absolutely no surprise that I love to shop. Now, let me qualify that. I hate to shop for clothes. I hate to shop for shoes. Don't even talk to me about swimsuits. Don't even talk to me about some kind of formal occasion. Forget about it. I can't be bothered to even find a pair of jean shorts I like. I hate shopping for clothes. And yet, curiously enough, I could spend hours shopping for that perfect throw pillow. In fact, that's what I get paid to do. I love going to Home Goods and touching the throw blankets. I love walking to Crate and Barrel and checking out all the new materials and glazed ceramics. I love an excuse to pop into West Elm and see what new accessories are lining their shelves. So today, I'm taking you shopping with me. Let's go. Let's go on a shopping spree where I will take you on a whirlwind tour of my favorite things to shop for and what I'm looking for when I'm shopping for them. My name is Betsy Helmuth. This is Big Design, Small Budget, and today, we're going on a shopping spree. So here I am, sitting in my delightful storefront in Dobbs Ferry, New York, up in Westchester, and I'm looking at the adorable items I have available here. And I'm wondering, why did I choose them? What am I looking for when I go shopping? And I figured, well, I'll share my top tips with you. So let's dive in. Let's go shopping for accessories and furniture. And we're going to start with throw pillows. So what do I look for when I am shopping for a throw pillow? The first thing I look for is something cute. I consider a throw pillow room jewelry. Dressing up your little black dress, in other words, your little beige sofa, with something adorable that will make it stand out, that will make it look like it came from... Mitchell Gold Bob Williams rather than Macy's. So I look for something unique. I really love to look for embroidery or an interesting pattern I haven't seen before. Something that really sets the pillow apart. And I do feel like this is a place that you could splurge. I do like to look at anthropology because they have pillows that are works of art. I like to look at stores that are a little bit more off the beaten path. I like to look at Burke Decor. I like to look at Horchow. I like to look at their sale racks because I will find little gems where people are like, where did you get that? And they will really make my entire apartment or home look more expensive. I don't buy pillows at Ikea. People instantly recognize those patterns and they instantly know she shopped at Ikea. I also don't love West Elm. I like their solid pillows, but their pattern pillows, again, are so strong and are such a clear pattern that if you're familiar with their inventory, you'll instantly know West Elm. I like something that takes a little bit more thought, that draws a little bit more attention, that's a little bit more of a conversation piece. I'll even look at places like Urban Outfitters or PB Teen that have trendier, edgier type patterns because this is something I'm going to feel really comfortable switching out. So I don't want to spend too much money or if I do spend a lot of money, it's going to be really special. 
But if I do plan on switching it out regularly, I love looking at those places and having these be my trendy moments. In terms of my filler, I'm always going for down. Now down can be controversial because it's feather and so people are more allergic to that. Additionally, it's not vegan friendly as a, as a former vegan. I hear you people, I hear you. But I do love down because it's squishier. That being said, sometimes those feathers will poke through and they can be a little bit uncomfortable. So for all you PETA-friendly, vegan-friendly, people who don't want to get poked-friendly, go for the down alternatives. But I really don't care for the polyfill. They bounce back. They don't squish nicely. So I feel like you don't get that homey, cozy pillow experience. Rather, you have these kind of fluffy unsquishable clouds on your couch that don't ever settle in if they're made from polyfill. That's what I like about the down is it kind of settles into itself. All right, we found our perfect throw pillows at Anthropology. Let's move on. Let's go to throw blankets. I do love to get a throw blanket at West Elm. I really love Pottery Barn's throw blankets. Again, this is a place where you can indulge yourself. I'm sure you've listened to my Feng Shui for Health episode where you learned that if you have something that's really cozy on your couch, it might prevent you from getting your comfort with food or unhealthy snacks. So let's spend a little bit more on the throw blankets and a little bit less on the Twinkies. And so let's find that awesome blanket that makes us feel so soothed and so comfortable. I like to buy something that's chunky, that's nubby in the winter, and I have a basket right next to my sofa that has several kinds of throws. I have a heavier throw that's wool that I really love to cuddle under in the winter, and then I have a lightweight throw that I got from West Elm, and I'll throw that on myself when I just want to feel cozy but don't necessarily want to get all that warm. I'm always looking for something that I don't have to dry clean because inevitably, if I am curling up under a chunky throat to have some me time, I have definitely got a glass of wine and I may or may not have a fun snack. So I definitely want to feel comfortable and I definitely want to feel like if the wine spills while I'm reclined, it's okay. I don't want that to be a part of um, anything anxiety. Oh, don't take that out. Um, let's take that out. Let's cut back. Hold on. Let's just cut it after I said okay. And while I have a wool throw blanket that I really love at home that I got from Crate and Barrel, and fortunately it is not a kind that is scratchy, I find that can be hit or miss. So I do tend to avoid wool when I'm shopping for a throw. I love in synthetic, like a polyester or acrylic, but I do know that those don't breathe as well, so you will tend to get a little bit sweaty under those, even though they come in these delightful decadent textures. Uh, but cotton is sometimes a little too lightweight and not cozy enough, even though it usually breathes much better and I find they get less sweaty. So think about that when choosing your texture for your perfect throw. And this is a great moment to bring in a pop of color. This is a great moment to incorporate a texture rather than a pattern. Now let's talk about rugs. 
With rugs, I love a pattern because it camouflages stains. My rugs take a licking and I need them to keep on ticking. My kids are going to spill. My dog might accidentally vomit up grass he's been eating outside. What's up with that? What does that signify? If you know what eating grass signifies, would you please email me because my dog has been doing it recently and I'm like, what is your problem? Like you think they would learn. Anyway, so I need a rug that's going to be quite durable and that's not going to betray me by showing these stains. Um, so I don't really like the geometric tone-on-tone -tone rugs. In other words, a rug that's blue and has a white trellis pattern on top of it. While I love them in magazines, I just don't find them to be practical for myself. And I certainly would never choose a solid rug. I made that mistake because there was an adorable solid rug at Target, very affordable for my daughter's room, that had this cute scalloped edge came in lilac. One bad incident with her and a juice box and now I can forever see that stain and if it would have had just a little bit of pattern I would have gotten more visual longevity out of it. I keep it in a room but when people come over I throw a stuffed animal on top of it so they don't see the red juice box stain and that's not sustainable guys. Just pick something with a pattern. Also pick something that's between 0.25 and 0.5 in pile height. Anything under 0.25 is just a cotton mat or flat style or even an indoor-outdoor rug. And I just don't find them to be very cozy. They are very popular right now. It's just not my bag. If I'm going to have a rug, I want it to not only visually define my space, but I also want to get some coziness out of it, a little bit of plushness or some kind of texture that feels good when I'm walking on it. So getting something with a little bit of height will give you that softness. But anything with a pile height of over 0.5 tends to get a little shaggy. And again, hard to maintain in terms of shedding, but also absorbing dust, dirt, etc. Now let's talk about shopping for candles. So I used to be anti-smelly candle because they were always making me sneeze. And... I found out that the smelly candles I had been using, the Yankee candles, used artificial fragrances. And I think that that is why I had been having such a reaction. So now when I shop for scented candles for my storefront and I found amazing ones on Etsy, I use Cocoa and Bubbles soy candles. I happen to love their hazelnut coffee, but they also have a beautiful fresh baked bread and a cucumber lavender that cannot be beat. Anyway, now I look for all natural soy candles and I burn them all day long when I'm at work at my office and have no reaction whatsoever. So avoid those artificial scents. I'm really focused in on organic or all natural or soy. Now let's talk about shopping for art. The first thing I look for when I'm on my shopping spree looking for amazing art is I look for something with a personal connection to me. I look for something that makes me feel something. Maybe it reminds me of a place I really love, like the West Village or Paris, or maybe it has colors that really help me to feel energized when I'm working from home. Or maybe it just has an image, like I found this piece on Etsy that's an old vintage school poster of a house with all of its different rooms, and it just made me feel very comforted and at home in sort of a retro way. And it just evoked a feeling of, I don't know, just serenity and kind of joy. It was a little bit Mad Men-esque, but in a very idyllic way. And 
So I really gravitated towards it. And even though the colors weren't particularly vibrant, I just find that every time I look at it, it brings up feelings of comfort and home. So make sure that it resonates with you in some way. Make sure that you really like it. The next thing is make sure it doesn't have any words. Oh my goodness, I hate word art. I think I've made that clear in past episodes, but I just can't say it enough. If it says live, laugh, love, throw it away. Basically, art should make you feel something, but it shouldn't tell you what to feel. I want to be open to interpret it how I want. I want to look into it and find different meanings each time. I don't want to be told, ugh, look at me so that we can feel embracing our friendship or, you know, everlasting joy. Don't tell me what to feel. So anyway, pick something that evokes a feeling but doesn't dictate an emotion. Um, Now when I'm looking for a piece that will be perfect above my sofa or above my bed, I like something that's stretched on canvas or something that has a a frame but that is not framed with glass that's framed with plexi and the reason is because it's a big piece above one of these big furniture items and I don't want it to feel precarious in any way. I don't want to feel like if it fell on me it would really hurt. I also don't want it to feel dangerous in terms of my children. If they are reaching their hands up above my bed and you know, pull down the picture. Because it's big, I don't want to worry that they're going to be, you know, crunched by shards of glass. And same thing above the sofa. I want them to be able to, you know, ideally they wouldn't stand or jump on the sofa. But if that were to happen, I wouldn't want it to be something that would pose an imminent threat. So I love looking for something stretched on canvas or again, something that has a plexiglass front rather than glass. When I'm shopping for something above a dining table, I don't typically like to do a series. That's not my favorite place to do a gallery wall with a lot of small pictures because the thing about a dining area is it already has a lot of small things going on. There's already a lot of chairs, a lot of plates, a lot of silverware. So a dining area can just intrinsically feel and look cluttered. So this is the perfect place to make a big statement with one or two larger pieces rather than a lot of smaller pieces, which already exacerbates the problem of a dining room looking and feeling cluttered. So there we go. Uh, Let's keep shopping. Let's keep shopping. I'm having fun here, guys. Let's start looking for picture frames. So speaking of gallery walls and artwork, when I'm shopping for picture frames for a gallery wall, I really want the artwork and all the different images to sing. So I'll pick frames that are fairly simplistic. I usually love white mats, but the exciting thing is that you can make a piece look really expensive and really unique just by getting a custom mat cut. So buy that affordable frame at Ikea, pick up that super cheap frame with a coupon at Michael's, and then take it right to the Michael's framing counter and have them cut a custom mat in a color. Or recently, I just framed a piece for myself in a white mat, but it has a black edging to it. Uh, On the inside, when they cut it on the bias, you can see the black outline, and it made that piece come to life. The piece cost me 30 bucks. I got it on minted.com, which is a site I happen to love right now. But that little black outline inside the white mat gave it such a presence and sophistication. I was super surprised by how awesome it turned out. Speaking of how awesome things are turning out, I have gotten a lot of things custom framed at Michael's recently because I had coupons and it's really conveniently located to me. 
and they did a great job. So I highly recommend going there because a lot of the large framers will poo-poo you for just wanting to cut a custom mat. They may not even do it because it's not worth their time. But at Michael's, they will cut you a custom mat for your pre-made frame. And like I said, it is just a really fast way to upgrade any piece of art you own, even if it's a print from Minted. So there we go. Now let's talk about lamps. When I'm shopping for lamps, the first thing that I look at above style, above silhouette, is I look for what kind of bulb it takes. If it takes 100 watts or less, I will not buy it. That is not a lamp. That is a candle. That will not illuminate your room. It counts as a room sculpture, but it will not do anything in terms of really adding wattage or making your room more illuminated so make sure it's 100 watts or more and i'm always looking for 150 watts because i can always put a bulb in there that's less wattage but i can never exceed the wattage so can't go above 150. now i do like a lamp especially a floor lamp that takes two bulbs because then i can choose to turn one on or the other on um you know the chubacabra the thing i'm always looking for is a lamp on a full range dimmer but there's just not very many options for that it's really hard to find one and you know if i could change the world i would start by putting every lamp there would be a mandate every lamp must be on a full range dimmer because i really believe that that affects how you feel in your home unfortunately we're not there yet people and so i also love to look for a three-way switch and i do make sure that the shades that i'm looking for for instance if there's a lamp and it only comes with a gray shade I won't recommend it that often because a colorful shade or a printed shade will let much less light through. And so it's really not going to give me that bright illumination I want. I'm always looking for a white shade or if it must be one of those natural shades because those are really popular right now at Pottery Barn, West Elm, Pier 1, World Market. So if it is one of those natural shades, I try and pick one in a very light cream. I try and avoid those heavy burlap shades. There's just not a lot of light that comes out of them no matter the wattage on the bulb. So something to think about. Guys, guys, I'm having so much fun shopping. Let's keep going. Let's look at bookends. So bookends, the key with a bookend is that you want it to actually hold your books. Believe it or not, I find that a lot of bookends are quite flimsy and lightweight. I recently bought some bookends from West Elm and they don't hold the books at all. In fact, I had to go to Staples and buy some metal bookends and put them on the insides of the books to actually keep the books in place. And then I put my decorative bookends on the outside, but they don't actually function. They're not heavy enough to hold those books. So look for something heavy and then look for something that really can serve as a sculpture as a visual piece that provides interest or a pop of color. I'm always looking for something very unique because just getting a simple standard bookend is such a, a waste. It's a real opportunity for an affordable sculpture in your home. So look for something heavy. Look for something that's a conversation piece. So guys, that was a whirlwind shopping trip. Do you have something you want to know about? Are you currently shopping for a piece and you're feeling a little bit stumped? I'm here for you, right in. Let's take a quick and easy shopping tour together like we just did. And speaking of quick and easy, it's also quick and easy to write me with any design question you have. In fact, 
Let's get to one of my emails from a listener right now. Into the old mailbag. All right, my question today comes from Kara. As you may have noticed, Kara's been writing in quite a bit. Thanks so much for your questions, Kara. I love to answer them. Keep them coming. And that's an open invitation for everyone, by the way. Send them to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. Let's dive in. Kara writes, Thank you for your book and podcast. I love decorating and have learned more from you in a shorter amount of time than from anyone at any other time in my life. I love that, Kara. That's huge. I definitely take that as a huge compliment. And just as a side note, that is what I want to do with this podcast. I want to empower you guys to design on your own, to feel like you have the knowledge and the tools to go forth and make your home amazing on your own. I think it's so important to not only have a beautiful home, but to feel like you had a sense of agency in the process. So I'm glad that my intention is getting out there and that you are getting the message and keep your questions coming. Let's go. So you wrote, I have another question. With this house we're moving into in a couple of months, upon closer inspection, the flooring in some rooms needs to be replaced. What is your advice for flooring? Should all the flooring match from room to room, both material and color, or just in color? Do you recommend light, medium, or dark-toned flooring? And the wood options. Hardwood, engineered wood, wood tile. What's a home decorator to do? Plus, a side note about us. We have four daughters, ages 2 to 11, no pets. We love to have friends over for dinner and games, and we're planning to be in this house at least seven years. Thanks very much, Kara. Kara, thanks for the background information, because that is a huge help when making choices. So I have a lot of feelings and thoughts on this. In fact, you're making me feel like maybe I need a whole flooring episode. So you're buying this place. So I want you to think about the changes that you're making in terms of resale value as well as in terms of what you personally want. Because I recommend that if you're going to be there between 5 and 10 years, you make some choices that are just for you. They can be outside of thinking about resale value. But when I'm renovating a kitchen, when I'm renovating a bathroom, if you're not going to be there for over 10 years, you really should be doing it with an eye to resale. With flooring, because you might have to get it refinished, especially with four kids those ages, a part of me wants to tell you to pick what you like. But let me tell you what I would generally say. Floors that are too light, stained in a very light, white, birch kind of look, um, those are going to show every piece of hair, every piece of dust bunny, whatever. But floors that are too dark, those ebony floors, those deep, deep tones, those also show every piece of lint, dust, everything. So I really do love a mid-tone floor. I prefer a mid-tone in an ashier type color or in a walnut toned finish I really do not like red and orange woods I don't like orangey woods I don't like reddish kind of woods and I don't like um like honey toned woods I feel that those look a little bit dated I feel that they're a little 80s-tastic and they don't generally appeal but a nice mid-tone walnut color, whether it's a little bit ashy or nice and warm but just mid-tone, will really help in not only camouflaging a little bit of dust that may accumulate or dirt with four kids. Good for you. Good 
for you. But also, uh, they'll just generally appeal. And if you have a space that gets a little bit of, um, that doesn't have a ton of natural light, it could also be a great way to not make it feel too dark. Now, I do not like engineered wood flooring. First of all, did anybody else see that very disturbing 60-minute special about lumber liquidators? Wasn't that disturbing? And sort of the California specifications for what's allowed and what's a cancer causer. And oh my goodness. Well, if you haven't seen it, Google, because I was just astounded. But I'm just not a fan of engineered wood because it's not great for resale. People want to see hard wood. And there's a lot of hardwood options that are fairly affordable. So I do think that this is a place that you should splurge only because you can refinish it, unlike with engineered wood. And engineered wood just, it has an artificial feel when you're walking on it, even if it has a very natural feel when you're looking at it. It's not my favorite. And I also don't love the look of wood tiles in a main space or even a kitchen area. Because in a kitchen area, it looks like you wanted to continue the hardwood flooring from the other rooms, but you just wanted something more durable. In which case, I love to pick a tile that totally contrasts. Uh, I am okay with wood tile in a basement or somewhere that's a little bit kitschy where you're obviously not trying to make it look like hardwood or where it's not next to other hardwood that is real. Because like I was saying, in that kitchen, if it's close to living room hardwood or family room hardwood, I just think it looks like you're trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes and it is not working. It does not necessarily look like wood. So keep it to the basement. That would be my recommendation. So I think you should just go for the pricier option, even though there's lots of ranges with prices with real wood. Also, the way that you finish it in terms of the top coat will go a long way in terms of determining durability. I don't like floors that are too, too shiny and glossy, even though that can lead to a really durable finish. I prefer something that's a little bit more satin. Oftentimes, I find that wood floors that have a very flat or matte finish do scar easily. So if you're moving your furniture over them, they do tend to scrape more easily and show the scratches. They tend to be more deep. But like I said, I think the gloss just is a little too shiny. So go for something in the middle when you're staining those floors. My favorite Minwax stain, I don't know if you're looking at Minwax stains right now, is Jacobian. Um, it's not too dark. Oh, but I wanted to say something because when I was staining my floors in my space in the West Village, I have a very small shoebox studio apartment. When I was staining those floors, I had a lot of imperfections in the floor. And so choosing a little bit of a darker tone, which is what the Jacobian is, not super dark, but definitely not that mid-tone walnut, just a notch up, will help camouflage those imperfections. So if you also have an older home that has some gouges in your floors, skew a little bit darker without going to the dark side, meaning ebony, etc. So Kara, I hope that that helped. And um, again, hats off to you, four kids. You have my admiration. If you start a parenting podcast, let me know. Guys, it has been a pleasure. I love talking to you each week. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks for spreading the word to all your friends. And thanks to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the Embassy, our house band, and Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast, and a great place to go for design tips, tricks, and services. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. Till next week, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.
Walking the streets like a dog.